Cream Dog, you sound a little bit like Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement back in the day, which, speaking of, somebody points out that they did make a Pinocchio remake, apparently, with Jonathan Taylor Thomas back in the day. You no doubt have a Tim Allen impression, don't you? I mean, I love me the tool, man. He's the biggest... (laughs) Detroit Lions fan, probably on planet Earth. <laughs> what he used to do, he used to grunt, right? Something like that. Uh, Sword in the Stone, people are mad that I forgot that movie when it comes to Disney movies. Never even seen it. Up. Up was good. I don't know if Up was a top ten. Up's Disney tremendous. Movie. Yeah, it's good. Up's and, a tearjerker, too. And, and Cars, I forgot Cars also probably should have made my uh, Disney, top ten. Disney probably finds incredible. a way to make cartoons that make you cry. <laughs> I don't know how they've done it. But they, Toy it, Story Three was the it's biggest. It's a consistent one for me. trait in, in a lot of these movies. On the real, Pete, have you? By the way, that's Pete Sweeney of Airhead Pride. Have you uh, cried during? Be real. Have you cried during multiple Disney movies? Definitely Toy Story Three. I have not seen the fourth one yet. It's all right. Everybody tells you how great it is. It's, it's okay. It's pretty great. It's okay. It's pretty great. I, I guess when Lion King originally came out, I had to be a kid, so I'd imagine when the dad died. Oh. What's the dad's name again? Mufasa. Mufasa. There it is. Ooh, Mufasa. I'd imagine I, I shed a tear or two. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of moments in that movie. The last movie that I cried in, I talk about this quite a bit, it's embarrassing, was Big Daddy. Again, mm. I was relatively That's young. so embarrassing. Stuff, I, just, I can't even imagine the moment in Big Daddy when you would cry. It got to me. I, I cried can wipe my own times. ass. Is that what did it for you? No, no. That part was Loose funny. Skin and old. <laughs> that part that you guys, Big Daddy was a maybe not a classic. Just Big Daddy's a great movie, but it is not underneath. sad in any way, shape, or form. Yes, it is. When they when they're about to take away the kid, that's just so sad. Yeah, that's when he's sad. But I can wipe my own. You know what's good with you? You with a little rum. Rumple steel skin. <laughs> Rumple steel skin was a good man. You guys want to talk about guys. sports or what? Such a great movie. We can do whatever. we got a few hours here. That's Pete Sweeney. That is Brandon Kylie. That's what we're doing today. Across the glass from me, that is uh, Kramer. I'm at merely the sports machine, Sean Levine. So let's talk some Chiefs football. Oh, I forgot to tell you what the uh, the pop quiz was. What was the pop quiz today? It was Sister Act. Sister Act mm. with Whoopi Goldberg. Her 64th some. birthday today, Sean. Whoopi 64? She is indeed 64. I think you asked us that yesterday, so I don't believe that you're actually surprised. I am a little bit surprised because my short-term <laughs> memory has been shot since college, BK. I'm pretty sure less than 24 hours <laughs> ago we talked ago. about this. Whoopi's had a uh, very interesting career. She's done a lot of different things. Happy birthday to Whoopi. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs and specifically the Chiefs defense where we were sold this bill of goods, Pete Sweeney, that – the Chiefs were going to get a new defensive coordinator and they were going to get a new scheme and they were going to get new leadership and free agents and trades and all these things, trade away draft picks, and it was going to be a major upgrade. Can you say right now that this defense is a major upgrade from where it was this time a year ago? I wouldn't say major, right? You can't say major at this point because of that effort last game against a couple players who are just role player guys who had big games for the Titans and Ryan Tannehill overrunning you in, in the biggest part of the game. Uh, but it is an upgrade. I mean, the defense last year, you could not count that on them really at any point in the season. The only game that comes to mind was maybe that Jaguars game yeah. where they, they stood out. Uh, but it was the reason why the Chiefs lost their games last year. Game in the 50, you know, you talk about Monday Night Football, game in the 50s uh, that the Chiefs end up losing. Uh, so there, it is an upgrade where you've seen some progress the three weeks before this last game, but wow, you really feel pretty bad having 
Ryan Tannehill just man up and run over your guys who are supposed to be a lot better this year. And this wasn't 50 or this wasn't more the Patriots of 41 or whatever they scored in that game, but it was 32. And I thought, Pete, that we were maybe done with this, these games where you put up 32 points and end up losing, but apparently they're not. Yeah. And, and, and that, and that's what, what is a killer. And there's been some health to this, right? So if Alex Okafor is in the game, maybe it's a little bit different. Not that he's having a spectacular year, but it did come down to three points. Uh, if Frank Clark was truly healthy, now he has this sudden mysterious neck injury pinched nerve, which I'm grateful about, BK, because I told you in training camp how good this guy looked. It makes sense that he suffered this injury at the end of training camp, and he really hasn't been good all year. Uh, you hope that they can rebound. You you, you got to think that they took last game a little bit personal, personally, and he'll, here they will be on the national stage in Mexico City on Monday night. So I think that the defense is better. I think the problem is that there is a there is a common theme behind what went wrong for them last year and what's gone wrong for them this year, and that's the mindset, right? And we thought this was going to change because Tyron Matthew was supposed to bring that dog mentality to the defense. Frank Clark talked about it all offseason. Let your nuts hang. About how this was going to be a different kind of Chiefs defense. I'm watching, looking at a picture right now of Ryan Tannehill at the 39-yard line. He needs to get to the 44-yard line. It was third and 12, and he's scrambling, and there are three Chiefs defenders around him. Rashad Fenton, who's about to hit him. Tyron Matthew, who's about four yards away, right where the first down marker would be. And Frank Clark, who's right behind him. Ryan Tannehill dragged Rashad Fenton for five more yards to get the first down. Tyron Matthew gets out of the way to make sure that he doesn't hit Ryan Tannehill. And Frank Clark never touches Ryan Tannehill. That's not the mentality we were sold. And that play is symbolic of what has gone wrong in that I think they are better. There's no question. The points per game are better. The yards per game are better. You watch them and you can tell that they are a better unit than what they were a year ago. They've got more of a backbone than they did a year ago. The problem is when they've got to play, when it matters the most, we've seen time and time and time and time again this year that they haven't been able to do that. And I think that's as much a mindset thing as it is an ability thing. And you talk about those two guys in particular, right? So Rashad Fenton is a rookie sixth rounder. So you can even understand a veteran quarterback in the National Football League. Okay, you got bullied on one play. Tyron Matthew, that to me, it feels just a little unacceptable just because you have all this talk, talk, talk. We have a different mentality. It's going to be different. And then you're caught on tape a little bit. Like, there's a million angles of this thing. Backing down from Tannehill. I normally say both you guys are geeks for talking about that play. But yesterday I was at the community <laughs> blood center. And three different people came up to yeah. me with still shots on their phone. And they are like, what about this play? There's I mean, a question a geek, about- like it. It was a significant play in the game with your two highest paid defensive players from the offseason, and they just quit on the play. Like, I I don't take exception to a player if they just they, they fail in terms of athletically or ability-wise to make a play. I wonder, If you have an yeah. effort issue, that's where I call into question certain things, and it makes me wonder, and I wonder if this is where you were going with this, Pete, I wonder if Tyron Matthews hurt. Like, there's only a couple of explanations as to why he doesn't go for the tackle there. One is he was worried about the flag, but if he's going to get the first down anyways, who cares? At least you've got to give the effort. 
Or two, you're hurt. You don't want to put your shoulder down to make the tackle. And if that's the case, well, that's an even bigger issue moving forward. He's had, toward the end of training camp in the preseason, this lingering shoulder thing where he has this like special wrap. I don't exactly know what is going on with it, but you can make a, a case, okay, maybe when he has to tackle guys and, and really put a lot of his energy into it where that might be a, a striking pain that kind of goes up. And if and if that's the case, it's the case. And I would probably think it's more of that than it would be, oh, he doesn't want to do it because this is a guy, and this is what I said when he was signed, and this is what I really liked when he was signed. He he kept the pride, right? I mean, you're on the Therese Paler show on, on Mondays, and the biggest thing is the contract year. It's so hard to find guys in the league that will give you the same amount of effort that Matthew or even a Clark, I, I really truly think in their heart of hearts that they want to be giving that effort. There's got to be another reason, and that's that's a good point by you. I hope so because, to me, the biggest change was supposed to be not the scheme, not the players, not the leadership, none of that stuff, but the culture overall, the defense. Because the offensive culture is as good as it's ever been in the history of the NFL. When you talk about guys getting along, when you talk about young players on rookie contracts like Patrick Mahomes is – like Tyreek Hill was like this team had it figured out on offense and most of the moves or at least a lot of moves that they made have worked out on the defensive side of the ball. You can't really say that. And I think the culture is probably just about as questionable. I don't want to say bad because I don't feel like there's a bad or a really like dangerous or negative culture, but I don't feel like it's great. And I feel like it's a lot the same that it was last year where you kind of just shifted your issues where last year you couldn't stop the pass. Now you can't stop the run. Last year, the question was with Eric Berry. This year, it's with Frank Clark. BK, I feel like there's different issues, but by and large, a lot of the problems remain the same. And I wonder how difficult it is. And I'm curious your perspective on this, Pete, because you're in the locker room more than we are. How difficult it is to lead when you're the guy that's hurt, right? Like, Frank Clark, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to lead from the front when you're the guy that's getting 10, 12, 14 sacks. When you're right. the guy that is putting everything on film that he wants to put out there, he's not making the same effort plays this year because he, I believe, is incapable of doing so because of the hindrance of the injury. Tyron Matthew, that play that we've been talking about that's symbolic of some of the issues that they've had, if he didn't get involved because of his injury, that's something that's on tape that. Man, listen, the other guys in that locker room are going to say, why didn't you go after him? Like, why why wasn't that a play that you were able to make? And at some point, Tyron Matthews got an answer for it. I'm sure he has an answer for it. And it's more difficult to lead from that perspective than it would be if these guys were healthy and they were making plays and they were making the contributions that we all anticipated coming into the year. I would say, what are you trying to do? Get Tyron Matthews to block you on Twitter, but... But that's that's already happened. Too late. Yeah. My, my, oh, that's already happened? Yeah, that's oh, already I'm bad. sorry about that. You even saw that with Patrick Mahomes, and it's a good point. The past two weeks when he just couldn't play again before this game, the past two weeks before this game, that's your number one leader on this team right now, right, for this year and the next 10 years, you hope, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It's hard for them to to go out there and, and say, hey, go get this one. If they can't get on the field themselves, then that only extends when guys are having to play hurt. And that happens. I mean, here you are, week 10, week 11 of the NFL season. It's who can still be effective while hurt. And if you're not going to be effective, you might as well let somebody else do it. And I think it gets to a certain point where that's the case. I think it's a little bit different than this Titans game. I think there was a little bit of, okay, we're a better team. Then the Titans, and here they came out. They punched you in the mouth, and I just don't know if the Chiefs were ready for it. Pete, would you 
consider sitting Frank Clark until the playoffs. If the injury is a real thing and we're talking about Frank Clark not being 100%, not being what the Chiefs thought that they were going to get, would you be willing to sit Frank Clark until the playoffs? Hold your thought. I want your answer coming up next right here on The Drive. The Drive, weekdays 2 to 6. Welcome back into the drive. Good to have you along for the ride. Do we, I was going to say our names. Do we all have cheesy nicknames? I know I do. The sports machine. Yeah, BK is really super cheesy. BK is fine. It's just your initials. Uh, Kramer, his wrestling nickname is Code Jackman. Say what you will about that. And then we've got Pete, the plaid prince. So <laughs> That's, you know. that's C, the only person who calls me that is C-Dot. Oh. I'm also called Cream Dog, by the way. I thought your mama called you the Plaid Prince. (laughs) Thank goodness. Fair enough. Thank goodness. Thank God she doesn't. So I was asking you a question, Pete, before we went to break. By the way, coming up in about 10 minutes, Pete, you're going to go into a dark and twisted place. I'm going to take you inside the mind of the machine. Surprised I've made it out in the past. Yeah, Uh, buckle up for that one. I feel lucky. You too, Kramer, so be nervous. But uh, I asked you a question leading into the break. I said, would you consider sitting Frank Clark the rest of the way? And here's my theory. And I heard my boy Ron the show talk about this, and I think it makes a lot of sense. If we take him at his word and he's injured and he's got the pinched nerve or whatever's wrong with him, and that's why he hasn't been 100% or as close to 100% as possible or as close to that guy that the Chiefs thought they were getting when they paid $20 million and let D. Ford walk and trade away a first-round draft pick, if he can become that guy, if he can go into a phone booth simply by sitting out the next few weeks and we still think that the Chiefs can make the playoffs, win the division, and then he can be that guy for a stretch run, Shouldn't that be something that Chiefs consider? Man, it would have been a lot easier to consider before Emmanuel Ogba was lost for the yep. season Fair because enough. he was playing really well. Fair enough. And you're already down Alex Okafor. You have Chris Jones playing in and out. I just don't know how you could do it. If you could guarantee training camp Frank Clark for the playoffs, okay, you can consider that. But we just went through a year where we watched Eric Berry sit on the sidelines for what? For him to return and be 10% of himself. So I just don't know if there are any guarantees with it. You hope Clark is is good enough to to play through it and and hopefully figure out a way to still be effective. I think sometime before the playoffs and help it pushes you in the playoffs. And again, this this is it's a very under talked about story. But the Raiders' schedule is just easy. It's not like they're playing anybody the rest of the way. You got to be really careful with the division all of a sudden. So I've got two things on this. Uh, first of all, two. Um, to his point, to Pete's point about the defensive end position right now, the only healthy guys that you have at the position are Tano Passanio and Frank Clark. And if you put Chris Jones out there, that's fine. You've got a third. But if you sit Frank Clark, your right. only defensive ends that you're riding with moving forward until Alex Okafor returns are Chris Jones, who it's not his natural position, even though I want to see him there more often, it's still not his natural position, and Tano Passanio. And that's what you're moving with. And they're going to have to play 100% of the snaps, which they hate doing. They would rather rotate those guys. So that's one issue with it. The other thing is, I don't think we know that any rest is going to make this particular injury better. Now, it may, and if it does, if they were told, hey, if Frank Clark sits out the next four weeks, there's a really good chance that this is going to stop bothering him, then I'm, I'd be at least interested in considering the possibility. But it's a pinched nerve. Like, I don't know that six weeks of sitting down is going to make that all of a sudden go away. And this I'm might sh- be an offseason thing. And I'm sure there's people out there that are like me that think they know a lot about the Chiefs because they read Arrowhead Pride every day and, oh, I don't know, get behind a microphone every day for four hours and talk to people about the Chiefs. This came out of nowhere to me. Like, I, I had 
you tell me, Pete. Like, did you have any idea that Frank so, Clark was injured goods at any time? I I thought it just just on on what was a, an eye test, and just sometimes you hear rumblings of oh maybe this guy could be hurt. So it was a little bit of a combination of both. And then as you kind of saw throughout the season, he was on the injury report week two with full practices of a neck. You didn't hear about the neck for what was five or six weeks, and then all of a sudden, week eight, after he finished a game the week before. And he, played well. He's just out of practice. Yeah, he played well. And he, it was out of practice week eight and week nine, just completely not practicing. I think he came back on Friday of week nine. So it was a little bit out of the blue. There were some signs where he just didn't look like himself, and you had that random week two addition to the injury report, but besides that, nothing. I mean, one thing I asked uh, Steve Spagnolo, I think it was week seven leading into the Broncos game, you know, is Frank, is Frank playing hurt? And he basically was like, well, you know, we're all kind of banged up at this point. That's something you have to ask him. And not to, you know, that he didn't incriminate himself or anything. That's not what I'm getting at. But it seems like the team has sort of known for a little bit here. He's playing hurt. And is Frank Clark hurt? a little bit better than some of the other players in the NFL. Yeah, but he's not the Frank Clark you signed up for. So I will say in August during training camp, Frank Clark did miss some practices. There were there were moments when we were up at training camp. That's Pete. back when Pete was telling us that he was the next Lawrence Taylor and he looked like Derek okay. Thomas and he was the next coming. Not, not in a, Okay, you didn't say those words. things. But did you not tell us that Frank Clark was going to be Ten times better than he's actually I mean, been. I watched this dude, and you know he was great. He BK was great. Is about to talk camp. about the the handful of days he missed, but most days he was just eating Eric Fisher for breakfast. It was an Eric Fisher breakfast with some eggs and pancakes. Mm. So they said at the time that he missed it with a sore wrist, and I'm not saying that they were lying by that. But we have now heard that he was he had a, he was losing feeling in his fingers. I wonder if this is a situation where the pain was shooting down his arm. And so the pain initially was maybe in his wrist and he got it figured out and he found out, okay, I got a, I've got a pinched nerve. I'm going to sit out a little while, right. see if this thing gets healed up. As much as this is mysterious, it's not all that mysterious. If this is what it draws back to, he missed practice for this in training camp. He hasn't been the same since basically then because early in training camp, he was great. We got into the regular season. He wasn't very good. It's been a consistent theme for Frank Clark, so it's absolutely in place that this is less mysterious than we've made it out to be. Have you guys ever rooted for an injury more, like to hope that that's actually what it is and we can get a doctor to confirm that that's what's going well, on? Because I, I that, that would be the answer. We have no reason to believe that this isn't the case. I'm actually a little frustrated by the fact that we're like making this into some mysterious the thing. The timing, like, though. like He played like crap, and then we heard about it. That's why I think and, people are questioning it. And I know this goes against the football. Human nature, BK. The, the, might not like it, but that's how it goes. I know this against, that goes against like the football mentality and play through it but at the same time if this guy can't feel his arms man get right yeah, I, for sure you know and i think that's why he was held out for two games he cited life after football i don't know how in three weeks something like that could get better without a procedure again i'm no medical expert i'm not aaron borgman who does a great job for us i just wonder should this guy even be playing and, and it is something to ask yourself i just don't know if he'll ever be the same this season if you choose to sit him you accomplish a few things one in theory he can't get any more hurt so then he's going to be getting a little bit healthier again none of us are doctors by any means even though i went to school forever two i think it's been proven that you don't need frank clark on this defense this version right of frank clark like, that's what i'm saying right now well no, okay you might when it comes now. to warm bodies you do need frank clark when it comes to him playing he's not that big of a difference maker i don't think compared to an average football player at his position right now and three and maybe this is being too harsh i'm sick of hearing that dude talk for a while like i want to hear the leaders of the team talk once they perform 
Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, go out there and actually overachieve and do something. And even if you don't earn every penny of the contract that you got, because in the case of Sammy Watkins and you dudes, that's probably never going to happen. But go out there and make an impact and be on the field and play consistent. And then you can talk about the team being soft. Then you can talk about things because some people got their feathers in a bunch when Chris Jones came out last week and said that there were too many Vikings fans at Arrowhead. Right. Not only do I not have a problem with it, I loved it. You know why? <laughs> Chris Jones can say whatever the hell he wants. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. He's by far the best defensive player on this team. He's earned the right to talk, not just make the money. Let's get back into the Kansas City Chiefs, where BK points out that the Chiefs, like most teams, don't love playing in Mexico City. But let's face it, this is the future of the NFL. Yeah, it is. Um, Clark Hunt was talking earlier today, and Pete Sweeney was out there covering it for Arrowhead Pride. You can check out his coverage there. I, I thought there were a few things that he said were interesting. The number one thing that stood out to me from a big picture sense in terms of the Chiefs and the NFL as a whole, especially given that the Chiefs are going to be playing this game in Mexico City this week, is... What Clark Hunt had to say about the schedule changes that could be coming to the league. Here's that quote from Clark Hunt earlier today. I do think it's something that the league needs to uh, seriously consider. I think reducing the preseason is something that everybody would be in favor of. Uh, replacing a game, uh, perhaps two, with one regular season game. And if you did that, you would have a odd number of games with 17. So one thought is that you could play at least some of those games in a neutral site, and obviously internationally is one place that we could do it. So it would give the league more inventory to play more international games. So that was Clark Hunter earlier today, and I think it's very clear what the NFL is doing here, what they're going to do moving forward. It's going to be a 17-game schedule. They're going to get rid of two of their preseason games, and they're going to add a bye week. So the season, the length of the season, doesn't change at all. You replace one of the preseason games with an actual regular season game, and you replace one of the preseason games with a bye week. The schedule itself stays the same number of weeks. You just have different games in the way that is structured. And the new game that you've added in, that 17th game, Every team has to take a trip overseas or to Mexico City or right. it's an international game or a neutral site game, wherever. So you expand the game that way. You have the bye week the week after that. So you add in that new bye week. And every time that you go overseas, you have the bye week afterwards. And then you still have your other bye week as well. I think it's very simple. I think this is the way that the NFL is going. The Chiefs will not be the last team to go overseas the way that they are right now with the Mexico City game. Every team every year will be required to take a trip to an international game, and that's how they're going to make this work. And it makes things more fair. Every team's having to travel every single year to some game, and I think it's good for the game. Like One of the best things to me about the National Basketball Association, the NBA, is that there are so many countries and so many people across the entire globe invested in this. I think football has that power. Football, to me, is the most popular sport in America. We've communicated at Arrowhead Pride with the Arrowheads Abroad, which is this Chiefs fan group who really enjoys the game. And and I, I like the idea, too, of eventually there being a, a, some kind of London team, some kind of overseas-based team. Again, that's probably years in the future. But to me, that's just the way it's going. That's how anyone would like to build their business, and you should embrace that. And, and who wouldn't want an extra regular season game? And who wouldn't want two less preseason games? Preseason games waste my time. It wastes your guys' time. It wastes the fans' time that they have to pay for these damn games. Get rid of the preseason, add another game, and grow it. It does make too much sense in the world, which is probably the reason the NFL is not going to make it happen. Because as BK laid it out, it's pretty <laughs> simple. You add a game, you add a buy, everybody's got to go out of town. I mean, it just it makes a lot of sense. This particular game in Mexico City, Pete, let me tell you what worries me. One, 
the obvious, which is something the Chiefs can't control, none of us can, the field and the altitude. It's something we've been talking about since we saw the game on the schedule last year get canceled, so that certainly comes up, too. It's a division opponent, and Andy's great against a division, but that also means that they're more familiar, the Chargers are, with Patrick Mahomes. They've already seen him a couple of times. And three, and this probably hasn't been talked about enough, the sky really is falling if the Chiefs lose this game. Like, we can talk about how they've had an edge and controlled their own destiny and got out hot, and the Chargers aren't that good, and nobody's scared of Oakland. You better be if the Chiefs lose this game because the standings tell you should be. At that point, the Chiefs will be 6-5. and five, The Chargers will be 5-6. and six, They'll have the tiebreaker in hand. They'll know they get to play you later on the season. you got to play the Patriots in a couple of weeks. The Raiders, I mean, all of a sudden, if you lose this game, Pete, the sky really kind of is falling. Yeah, yeah, this this is one they have to have. There's no doubt about it. If they want to continue to, in a sense, control their own destiny when it comes to the division and wanting to have a home game at Arrowhead, you have to win this one. If you lose another one of what should be regarded as... Um, I, I, you know, a a way to put it is gimme games. Then you're you're taking yourself out of your own control, which is something that the Chiefs cannot do. Does this team still have gimme games? Like they had gimme games last year. They had gimme <laughs> games at the beginning of this year. Are there still gimme games for this team? They had a couple. They they've already lost. So so I I you know you got to think that they end up beating the Denver Broncos. You think that Patrick Mahomes can best Mitch Trubisky. I feel like the Raiders game should be very winnable. You should beat the Chargers. Like, the, those games you should win. I know they've, they've been in a bad stretch here. The only one that's really questionable that remains the New England Patriots, or it should be that way. I, I understand why the Tennessee Titans would give you doubts. Where does this confidence come from, Pete? Like, where did, honestly, because the Number Chiefs 15. are a good football Number 15. team. Like, we got to stop this. We got to stop it. Number Chiefs 15. Fans, get your confidence. Get your swagger back. <laughs> I understand they lost to the Titans on the road. Do you know how much had to happen for them to lose that game? The Titans had to return a fumble all the way for a touchdown. The Chiefs had to also play a terrible defensive second half. They had an inexplicable defensive game plan. The Chiefs settled for six different field goals over the course of the game. Like, the Chiefs are good. I understand that it doesn't look that way based on what happened on Sunday and the final result. The Chiefs are still a good football team. The defense has improved. Patrick Mahomes threw for 450 yards. Get those swagger BK. nipples back, fans. BK. Get them back. I don't know what a swagger nipple is. Calm down. Get a drink of water. I think the reason for concern is this team right now looks nothing like the team that was in the AFC Championship it, game last year. Right. Uh, to me, though, does it, it though? It's it still, it does. It's still Mahomes versus your quarterback. And most weeks, you should win. To, last week, to me, feels more like a fluke than the norm. And, and that's kind of what I'm going. I think the Chiefs respond well this Monday night. I think they get they get the W. Can but. you lean on that though? When when it really matters, when the weather gets cold, when the calendar turns over to January, when you got to win three or four playoff games, a couple on the road, is it as simple as saying at that point, Pete? And maybe the answer is yes. We've got number fifteen. I want to see something more from the defense than what we saw last game, but it, it might be as simple as like we. We have Patrick Mahomes. Like that's the mentality. I think as a fan, you got to go into it. I understand why you're going to have your doubts, but the season isn't close to over. Let's see how they do on Monday night. No question about it. Although certainly getting uh, a little bit dicey when it comes to the division. <laughs> it's getting late early, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. And it's time to readjust our expectations, and that's what you have to do on the fly. Because, like I just said, it's going to come down to if this team makes the playoffs. How well do they play? How healthy are they in a three or four game tournament? And we'll talk about this coming up on the other side. 
I think that the one seed has pretty much probably gone out the window. That conversation is dead. I want to ask you guys about the two seed. But before we get there, Pete, we were talking about this defense earlier. Are they a Super Bowl caliber defense and all these things? When it comes specifically to Chris Jones, Mm. what are the chances that we see the future of him in a Chiefs uniform and that's the end of this year, franchise tag him next year, and then he walks due to the other guys that they have to pay and let's just call a spade a spade because they paid Frank Clark. Right. This this before the year began, what did it feel like? It felt like Frank Clark was going to ball. Maybe Chris Jones would have a repeat year of last year, if not regress a little bit because 15 and a half sacks remains ridiculous. They would franchise tag him and then move the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. What you got is the unexpected where Frank Clark has been ridden with injuries and he hasn't been the guy that you saw in Seattle. And Chris Jones is playing like what? One of the top five, top 10 defensive players in the National Football League. So it's changed the game a little bit. I don't think the Chiefs, with how Clark is going to ultimately finish this year, can afford both from a fan outlook standpoint and just a defensive completeness standpoint, let Chris Jones go in any capacity. I think they're in the situation now where you got to figure out a way to keep both of these guys while signing Patrick Mahomes to the richest contract. And you put yourself in that situation. You could have very easily just made Chris Jones the guy you chose not to do that. So you've buried your own grave in a sense. Yeah, I just I I think that's correct. I think you have to keep Chris Jones. I mean, it, it's not going to be an easy thing to do to pay two different defensive linemen twenty million dollars a year. But exactly, this is what you have to do. You've put yourself into this corner. Chris Jones has to be a cornerstone for your defense. Now, in the off season, they were hoping. Okay, moving forward, our cornerstones for the defense are Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew. And then we're going to add a corner into this mix next off season. Was I'm assuming their goal. Well, now you have to add a new one to that. Chris Jones has to be a part of that because Anthony Hitchens hasn't been great. And Frank Clark hasn't been the guy that you were expecting. I think he can get back to that, I hope, if he gets healthy in the offseason. But he hasn't been that so far this year. And Tyron Matthews is a good player, but he's kind of what I expected him to be. He's just a good player. And a guy that you want to be on your team, he's not a game changer. He's not. We said this coming into the season. The game changer they could have added at safety was Earl Thomas. They didn't get him for obvious reasons. We've talked about this time and time again, but Tyron Matthews has been good, hasn't been great, and now you got to keep the great player. The one great player they have on their defense, the one blue chipper they have is Christian. Literally the one. Think about how much this team cost themselves by essentially choosing to pay Frank Clark over Chris Jones. Because not only did you pay Frank Clark $20 million and say no to Chris Jones, but Chris Jones gets more expensive every time he steps on the field and gets another sack. I mean, they cost themselves 25 maybe million dollars they really didn't need to spend. Hindsight is 2020. Sure. And I just hope for Brett Veach's sake and this team's sake that Clark becomes healthy next year and can tap back into that because you've unfortunately, if Clark is quote-unquote never the same again, you've unfortunately created another situation that's like Justin Houston where you signed a player worse. right worse. after he peaked. You're paying more to get less production. It'd be worse than that. Right right after he peaked, and it's it's a similar type of deal. You're right, it is a little bit worse. And, I, you, you, again, you hope, your hope as a fan, your hope for the, the personnel staff is – is he finds a way to get back to what you saw in Seattle. In the meantime, you're left but no choice but to keep Chris Jones on this football team. 